This is DeRay Olalia, and you're listening to the Before the Man's Podcast, episode 115. Karaboomye. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all-round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the Cashflow Ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. What is going on, BTM tribe? DeRay Olalaye here, and we are back for another installment of the Before the Millions podcast. And guys, on today's episode, we are interviewing SEO digital nomad, Mr. Matt Diggity. Now, Matthew is a real estate investor who primarily operates in the online space, who operates in the SEO space. So if you don't know what SEO is, first off, it stands for search engine optimization. And why that's important is because as a real estate investor, especially a real estate investor who has a website and you get leads through your website, SEO is a skill that allows you to get a lot more organic leads. So a lot more organic traffic going to your site. So let's just say you rank on the first page of Google and you come up as the first return whenever somebody searches Austin home buyers or sell my house fast in Austin, Texas, right? So if you can get to that first, second, third, fourth spot, just that first page of Google, if you can do that, then you have the potential to make a killing in your business, in your real estate business. So SEO is simply just different ways to optimize how you show up in search engines and where you show up in these search engines. So that's what Matthew's business is about. And what he does with the proceeds from his business is he pours all his active income into real estate investments so that he can then create passive income. So as many of us, Matthew was discontented with the normal track in life. He was a six-figure engineer and he did not like how much he was making. He did not like the path that he was going down. He decided he decided to move halfway across the world, cut his expenses by 75% and have the ability to travel full time because he changed career choices. He changed from being a full-time engineer making six figures to being a full-time entrepreneur making a ton of passive income. Now, it didn't start like this. Like, Now, he literally came out the gate making about $2,000 a month. And it doesn't sound like a whole lot, especially if you're in the US. But if you've been listening to me for any good amount of time, then you know that I predicate our laurels on lifestyle design. So many people out there are so concerned with how many units they have and how much real estate they own and how fast they can grow. And I'm not opposed to any of those things. But what takes a higher precedent over all of that is lifestyle design for me. So again, for me and for Matt, I mean, think about Matt's situation. Like he's going from making six figures, right? But has none of his time lives in in one of the most expensive parts of the country in California. And it's literally just pulling his hair out. He doesn't have any purpose. He's making six figures as an engineer. There's no travel, right? And he gives that up to start an online business. Are you crazy to start an internet business? That's a fad, right? No way people are actually doing that. That's not stable. That's not secure. And then he's not even making a whole lot of money doing that. He's making $2,000 a month. So you give up a six-figure income to make $2,000 a month. But again, this is a much better option for somebody like Matt because he decided to be a digital nomad. And you can now assimilate yourself in these countries like Thailand, like Portugal, like Mexico, like Puerto Rico. You could assimilate yourself in some of these countries and live like a king for $2,000 a month. 
So you guys see all these ads and all these people online with these laptop lifestyles. It's so easy to do. And you can most likely do that now today. I mean, these people like, I mean, you hear about these stories all the time. People literally just save $1,000 or $2,000 and they go off to Thailand, Chiang Mai, Thailand off of $2,000 and that money can last them for the next six months. And they use that six months to bootstrap their business and get their business up and running while they have little to no overhead and they're living like a king. It's crazy. It's madness. And there's no reason why more of us cannot do that. $2,000 guys, $2,000 is all you need. So Matt actually waited. He wasn't one of the riskiest people, even though what he did was super risky. He actually waited until he started making money in his business. When I tell you some people, they have the desire, they have the urge, and they know that if they move halfway across the world, first off, you're, you're, you're around a ton of other people who have the same mindset, right? So that goes back to masterminding. You're not in your normal environment, so you're uncomfortable, right? You have to fend for yourself, right? So there are a lot of things that go into play as to, especially earlier on when you have to figure things out, as opposed to being in your comfort zone. Not only that, but you're already living the life that you want to live. You're not waiting for some day or some mark or some year to be like, okay, now I want to be able to do these things. You're doing these things now as you grow your business. There's nothing better in my eyes, right? Some people are like, no, DeRay, that's way too uncomfortable for me. I have to wait till you know I have a million dollars in the bank that's earning me a 10% return so that I know that I have this amount of passive income coming in every single month. That's when I'm going to be able to do all that. And by the time you get there, most likely, if you ever get there, you're going to be retired, I want to use my business to get there and travel the world all at the same time. That's lifestyle design and that's lifestyle design at an early age. And it doesn't take a whole lot to do it, guys. You can literally go on Upwork tomorrow, any skill that you have, and you can find a way to make 2K. It's so easy. I don't say that in a condescending way, in a disrespectful way to teachers who don't make a lot of money in a lot of these positions who don't make a lot of money. But I guarantee you, if you become resourceful, right, and just think outside of the box, Literally tomorrow, you can go start a service that helps tow truck companies or a service that helps lawn care companies get more leads, get more clients because you know how to work the internet, because you know how to put up an ad. There's nothing stopping you from making $2,000 a month. Nothing. There's an episode I did with Andre Hatchett. Go to beforethemillions.com, go to the podcast section and type in notary. And there's a business that you can start literally by next week. In about two weeks, you'll have a license. And you'll start making 100 to $200 per appointment. So to save 2K or to have a side business that earns you 2K is very probable. And you can do that by the end of this month if you really put your mind to it. Here's a crazy part about the lifestyle design that I love to profess and kind of just pour into you guys because it's something that you can achieve today, most of you, something that you can achieve today. So again, it's not about how much passive income you're making. It's not about how many rental units you have. It's not about building this, this big grand portfolio. It's about being able to live a life of your design, right? If you let go of some of your beliefs, change up some of the habits in your life, get rid of some of your expenses and have a different outlook on your goals and your timeline for achieving those goals, I guarantee you that there are a few key shifts that you can make in your life and you can live your ultimate lifestyle design now. For me, that's location independence. That's being a digital nomad that could travel the world as I please. And I've been location independent for it's coming up on two years now, and I'm still not where I wanna be. So my lifestyle design is one in which I am submerging myself. I'm going on sabbaticals for longer than a month, for longer than two months in foreign countries and, I, and, I'm, and I'm not going on a, a two-week vacation, but I'm going to live somewhere, to have a physical address somewhere, to rent out an apartment, to go grocery shopping every weekend, to submerge myself in a new culture, to make new friends, learn new things, and have a new way of life, to pick up another language, to learn, I mean, to anything, right? To become a scuba diver instructor, like to become a yogi, to go on silent retreats for weeks at a time to become a chef, right? I mean, to become an actor, like it, these things are very probable. Just imagine me in your next Bollywood film, right? I can go become a part-time actor overseas, no problem. Like these are, and you guys think I'm playing, but these are the different types of activities I want to learn how to perfect. So if I go to Japan and get my black belt and, you know, I submerge myself in that that community and that culture for the next year or two years and I, and I, get to a certain accolade, like that's a story. That's a new accomplishment. Then I'm going to go to the next country and, and learn something else and do something different just because that's how I'm wired. Those are the type of sabbaticals that I want to be able to go on, right? 
as early as as early as this year, 2019, those are the type of sabbaticals that I want to be able to go on for two months, for three months and submerge myself in a new culture, learn a new skill, pick up a new trade every few months. If I do that three times a year, two months, three times a year, that's perfect for me. So I'll be out of the U.S. for about six months out of the year. That's an ideal lifestyle for me. That is my ultimate lifestyle design. That can change tomorrow. That can change next year. But that's the vision that I have for my life. And something like that is a lot easier and a lot simpler than a lot of people think. So on today's episode, we're going to get into how easy it is to just up and leave your day job and go and pursue your dreams. We're going to talk about how easy it is to create a business that serves you so that you can be a digital nomad if you choose to do so, so that you can take advantage of geo arbitrage, so that you can get paid in dollars and live lavishly across the world where your dollar means so much more, so that you can visit every single country in the world and have that experience. This right here is really what got everything started for me. This is actually why I started my podcast. This is why I started my business. Because of this type of lifestyle design that I'm looking to achieve, this is why I chose real estate as a vehicle. This is why I chose online business as a vehicle. So we're going to get into a whole bunch of location independent talk. We're going to get into some some great SEO talk as well. And we're going to help you just start creating that vision for your ultimate lifestyle design. I do want to put a disclaimer on this because this is what I'm describing as my lifestyle design. It doesn't have to be your lifestyle design. I don't want you to think that I'm telling you that you should leave your job tomorrow. I am not telling you that. I know plenty of people who love what they do, and I would never tell them to stop what they're doing. And those people that listen to this episode and they know how to take away from this episode exactly what they need to take away to enhance their lifestyle design, whether that means, hey, I'm staying at my W-2 job and I have extended vacations or I'm doing this and that and the third, or like I've worked out something with my superiors and I'm working from home, or I have a side job that that's doing this for me, whatever it is that helps you with your lifestyle design. But at the same time, I know there's a certain subset of people who are agonizing right now, who know that there's a certain way that they can live and they want to live. They just don't know how to tap into that yet. So this episode is primarily for you guys, but every single one of us can take away a ton of nuggets from this episode. And just like it's inspired me, I hope this episode inspires you to take action sooner rather than later. Because although I've been location independent for the past two years, I still have reservations as to why I can't be away for an extended period, as to what's going to happen in my business if I'm operating totally 100% overseas. I still have a lot of fears around that. So talking to Matt today, I'm just like, dude, I need to start planning some of these three, four, five, six month trips. There's no reason why I should be fearful for that. So I got a ton of takeaways from this episode, and I hope that you guys get a lot of takeaways from this as well. If you guys aren't already, follow me on Instagram. That's my platform of choice, and that's where you'll see all my travel. You'll see all the food I love to eat. You'll see how I build my business. You'll see the behind the scenes of everything, literally. Head over to IG and follow your boy. Let's get acquainted with each other, and let's build a relationship. If you're doing any travel this year, let me know. If you're overseas at all this year, let me know. I do a lot of solo travel and I'm always looking to link up with new friends. So again, head over to Instagram. My Instagram handle is Dareolalia, D-A-R-A-Y-O-L-A-L-E-Y-E. Deray's tip of the week. I read 40 books last year and I told myself and I told you guys that this year I was going to slow down majorly just to make sure that I was comprehending my content. And I was actually implementing the learnings and the teachings that the books were providing. Now, I have done a way better job at implementing everything that I learn, not everything, but most of what I learn, especially if I do it immediately after I learn it. But we're halfway through the year and I'm at 25 books this year. So if I kept up at this pace, I would be at 50 books this year as opposed to 40 last year. So I'm not doing a real good job at slowing down. In fact, I've read over 25 books. I've read 25 new books this year. Some of those books, about five of those books, I've read twice. One of those books, I think I've read three times, which is The Surrender Experiment. And then also, there are some other books that I read every year, like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, 4-Hour Work Week, and so on and so forth. So there's another five or six books that I've read this year that don't make that list as well. So I've probably read a total of maybe 35 books this year already. I'm not saying that's a brag or boast, But the reason I'm able to get through books so fast and multiple times is because I'm an audio learner. And I tend to play my audio books a little bit faster than the prescribed speed. So the prescribed speed, obviously, is normal speed 1.0. So the tip of the week this week is to get through your book faster, your audio book faster, 
play it at 1.25 speed or 1.5 speed or what I've been doing lately. It may sound crazy, but there are some really slow readers in the Audible community. So if you play it at 2x speed, it sounds perfect. Now, it may take a little time for you to get used to and some of your family members may think that you're crazy, but you get to consume your books just a little bit faster. Right. And I love that. So this feature is in most of the audio apps that you guys are using to listen to your books. If you're doing any listening, it's definitely an audible and it's definitely in the, and it's definitely in iBooks. And it's also on your podcast app. So if you listen to a ton of podcasts, this is a great way to speed up the podcast. Now, I don't mind, of course, I'm not don't want you to speed it up to the point to where you can't understand what I'm saying. But of course, you can definitely hit that 1.5 speed and see how you like it. So again, just being more efficient with time. And guys, hey, if you're looking for your next free book, head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash book and you get two free audiobooks on me beforethemillions.com forward slash book. Now, I have a ton of PDFs and Kindle books as well. And this obviously doesn't work for Kindle books. You can't two extra speed, right? But what you can do, and it's an investment of your time and possibly your money, but again, it saves you a ton of time on the back end. And this goes back to investing in anything that you do. So I kind of love that this is kind of like two tips in one, but what you can do is invest a little bit of time and invest a little bit of money or just time by going to YouTube and learn how to speed read. If you learn how to effectively and efficiently speed read, you will, I mean, not 2x or 3x, but sometimes even 5x your reading speed. And that can get you through books a whole lot faster. And there, there's actually some speed reading material that teaches you how to comprehend even better than you were comprehending before. So again, just little life hacks to help you along your journey. I hope this helps. Again, for two free audiobooks, it's beforethemillions.com forward slash book. Let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. On today's show, I had the perfect individual to kind of shed some light on how he's been able to become what I consider a digital nomad, a location independent entrepreneur, and what I consider a super successful real estate investor. So first and foremost, I want to welcome to the show, Mr. Matt Diggity. Matt, how's it going today? Doing real good. Thanks a lot for having me. Definitely, 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 Matt. I am excited to kind of jump into your story because when I, again, when I think about the lifestyle that, especially even my earlier years when I was in corporate America, I think about the lifestyle that I was looking to achieve, right? And some of my earlier influences were people who started just, I mean, they were up and leaving California and they were just moving to Thailand. And I was just like, what's going on? What's everybody doing? I was trying to catch the wave and I didn't understand everything at the time. And looking back on everything, it's just like, man, like seeing everything come back 360 and me being able to live the lifestyle I live now, it's been pretty awesome. But you've had a similar journey, Matt, and I want to kind of walk through your progression. So maybe let's let's kind of take it back in the time machine really quick, because for the listeners that don't know, and I've, I've already mentioned this in the intro, but for the listeners that don't know, I mean, you SEO guy, like people know you for SEO. This is a diggity marketing that we're talking about, right? So most people wouldn't associate you with maybe real estate. And it's funny because we're going to cover some real estate on the show and maybe some people who are, who are new to you and your audience are going to be like, wow, Matt, this is what Matt's doing. This is crazy. So let's kind of take it back in the time machine and let's kind of figure out what, what you were doing in, in your earlier years and what kind of uh, turned your sights to real estate. Sure. Yeah. So before I ever got into this whole SEO game, I, I think the, maybe the reason I went out of after entrepreneurship and passive income generation so eagerly is because it was pretty dark before that. I uh, graduated from UCSD with an electrical engineering master's degree and went into the field and thought I would like it just because I was good at it, but that didn't nearly seem to equate at all. Basically, just working in a cubicle for 60-hour weeks somehow didn't appeal to me. So what I was doing is like, I was just like, I quit a couple of times altogether. And the first time when I quit, I was heavily researching into passive income generation, mostly through search engine optimization, ranking websites, getting them high on Google, getting traffic, and then monetizing them with affiliate marketing programs. So maybe you sell something on Amazon, take a little bit of a cut. Maybe you sell an info product course and you take a cut of that, something like that. So I was fiddling around with this stuff, but different circumstances happened and I had to go back to the old engineering job for a little bit. And then the second time on the rat wheel, whatever you want to call it, was just absolutely just excruciating. Just again, working 60 hour weeks, but my heart wasn't in it at all. 
like the the company I was working for was doing well. Like we got acquired. I got a whole big nest egg of like virtual stocks that became real. But just the work itself, the the people I was working with, the trajectory I saw of even like the people that were doing well, like, okay, so I can be here for 30 more years and I'll just do more of what I'm doing with more responsibility and get paid maybe 15% more. Uh-uh. Mm. So yeah, so it got to a breaking point where I was starting to make a, a decent chunk of money with SEO, like $2,000 a month. Definitely not enough to support myself in the United States, but I had a big nest egg from these, uh, the acquisition of the company and all my virtual stocks becoming real. So I decided to pull the trigger and buy some turnkey real estate, single home family properties to just I'd buy, buy them free and clear and then just have rental income coming in. So that's what I did. I, I bought two properties in Memphis. The, they were introduced to me by, well, it came through some friends. I got some friends that uh, they started the show called Flip That House. A couple guys I went to junior high with, Dan Merrill and uh, Paul Asian. And now they're running Fortune Builders. And I, I asked them and some of their employees, one of my best friends, James, I was like, what are you guys doing with your extra money? And they're saying, yeah, we're investing in turnkey real estate in Memphis. So I jumped on a couple of those. Now all of a sudden, I got my $2,000 a month that I'm making from SEO and I can add on top of that, you know, like fifteen hundred to eighteen hundred from from rental real estate. And so at that point in time, I felt comfortable enough, and I decided to pull the trigger, quit the job, sell my crap, everything liquidated, and I took a suitcase and I got a one way ticket to Thailand, and that's what started the path. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's a phenomenal story. And I want to kind of dig deep a little bit further into different aspects of that story. You you said that you went to high school, junior high with Dan Merrill? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. I met him about a, a year and a half ago. And Dan Merrill, uh, for those of you who don't know, he's a, like you said, he's a real estate investor, but he used to be in the NFL, right? Yeah, yeah. He's he's a, quite a force of nature. Every single thing that you did up until up until the point that you went to Thailand was just like, the things that people would hope and dream and pray about doing. What was it in you? And maybe it was your circle of friends because obviously all of you guys went on to do great things, but what was it about your particular situation as opposed to the person in the cubicle to the left of you to where you're just like, I don't think I'm going to be here much longer. Like it sounds like the progression was first SEO and that was something that you were kind of doing on the side. And I don't, I want to maybe even talk about how you got introduced to that. And then it was real estate. And then it was location independence. Let me move to a, another country. It was that kind of the progression first SEO, then real estate, then, then finding a way to get out of, out of your current state. Man, like I think they all kind of, uh, they all kind of triggered at the same time. Like, well, there's a couple of books that kind of planted the seed. One was four hour work week. So yep. <laughs> you know, that, that book is just straight poison for any, for any cubicle worker. Once you read that, it's game over. But yeah, so four hour work week kind of just inspired me just to see like, dude, there's people that are using their smarts to craft lifestyles for themselves. And it seems it's quite simple. It's simpler than engineering. I'll tell you that much. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, but, but actually I didn't have that many, that much evidence around me of people being entrepreneurial and actually making it like, like Than and Paul, I mean, like I said, they were forces of nature to me. Like that, that wasn't very common, at least with people that went to my high school and the people that definitely not with people that went to UC San Diego and you know, they were on the, the rat race path big time. So it was kind of blind to me until I got a hold of the four hour work week and I started to go to these book clubs. Um, There's a, a meetup.com for people that were read it, re- reading a four hour work week and, and we'd get together once a week and we'd talk about like what we're working on and stuff like that. So that was the first time like I actually saw people getting an SEO. That was the flavor of the month with this uh, four-hour workweek book club. So I just jumped on that bandwagon. Oh, and wow. Then, yeah, it was, it was a good, cool thing to see. Like before that, I mean, I remember going over to this house. It was like in La Jolla, San Diego. It was like a super nice house. And, you know, like there, there was 14 people in the room. One guy's like selling these like flight simulators on Amazon and some other person's like, they're all doing this all, this all this interesting stuff. And I was like, what the heck? Like this stuff's real. <laughs> this is like co-working before co-working existed. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, it was. 
you stumbled upon like your passion. Like it wasn't, it was just like here, like I'm your passion. I'm here. I've been here. I'm waiting for you now. Come get me. You didn't have to go searching for a long time. You know, some people that it takes years and you know, they have, I mean, your, your passion literally fell in your lap and, and, and you grabbed it by the horns and you took charge. So you found this amazing book. And not only is, you know, things like thinking about being in a digital world in that book, but also living a location independent lifestyle. When you kind of was interested, it sounds like that book also introduced you to that concept. Tell me about some of the struggles of living in California and what you thought going to Thailand was going to do for you. Uh, that's a good question. So, I mean, I lived in San Diego, California. I mean, you can't really complain. Oh, it was torture. You know, it's a great place to live. The weather's awesome. It's just kind of like, it's just, I kind of saw my, my whole path laid out in front of me. Like, I saw what would happen if I stayed within the job. I, and I, I'd been in San Diego for long enough. Like I could map out the best weekend possible, like the best, most fulfilling things I could do. And I've already done them before. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with San Diego, but I did feel like I had missed out on a little bit of traveling in my life, especially as, uh, as depicted by Tim Ferriss in 4-Hour Workweek. And then I went on to read Vagabonding, and I just felt like, wow, there's just, uh, like St. Augustine said, if, if life is a book, those who don't travel only read one page. So that felt like I was that one page kind of person. So when I was working as an engineer, I would hoard up all my vacation days and then blast them all out in December and go on as, much, as long as the trip as possible. So I was doing these mini retirements, these mini vacations while I was still in the day job. And I went to Thailand, I went to India, I went to South America and just started trying out these different places. But for some reason, Thailand for me really, really struck a chord. Like I really felt at home and I always thought like, if okay, if I ever get the balls to, to quit this rat race, this is going to be my first stop. And then eventually that's, that's what it was. It was my first stop. Um, can you kind of explain to our listeners maybe the difference, especially for those who haven't been out of the country yet, but maybe what geo arbitrage is and and how I guess how you're living in Thailand and what what's so appealing about Thailand to the average digital nomad? Oh man! So well, one good thing about becoming a digital nomad, especially in Thailand, is that your outgoing expenses are so cheap that it doesn't like even if you quit your job, it's not like you're burning through your bank account like you can really buck down and focus all your expenses into your business and really grow in that sense. So if we're talking about expenses, like if you put it like this, you can get by in a city like Chiang Mai, which is some people call the digital nomad capital of the world. You can get by here for less than a thousand dollars a month, meaning that you can have a decent apartment. You can go out to eat, like you can go to the movies and stuff like that. Uh, for $2,000 a month, you can do anything you want. Like you can eat out every night. You can, you can go get massage every day. Massage is $6. I mean, like you just end up getting massages even when you just don't feel perfect. So you, you, 2000 you can start doing like whatever you want. If you're making 4000 a month, you have to brainstorm to try to figure out how to get rid of it all. Like, <laughs> you need a team. You need, you need some creativity to get rid of 4,000 a month. I know it sounds crazy, but like when, when you have like that kind of like everything is like so cheap and stuff like that, like it really frees up a lot of mental space on, you know, what stressing about like, Oh, can I go do this? Can I do that? Like if you already just know in your head, yes, you can do anything you want. Let's just focus our mental space on stuff like expanding the business. It's a lot of mental burden that's freed up. So mm. I think that's why a lot of digital nomads flock here and that there's, it's crazy here, man. Like the, every week there's at least one to three meetups on e-commerce, SEO, Amazon stuff. Like it's, it's just a hotbed for entrepreneurship here. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is truly, truly crazy. And I, I love that you were able to kind of break that down. I say that on the show every time and I, that's the exact example I use. I always be like, you know, it's like, five, six dollars to get a massage as opposed to going to massage envy here and uh, here, here and you're paying like 80 bucks for a, a 30 minute session or 80 bucks for an hour session. Yeah, it's, it's, it's mad. It's crazy. So knowing that, I mean, even let's get into SEO a little bit, Matt, because I think it's interesting that you had already started creating revenue while you were still working full time. Now, SEO, it's one of those things that 
it takes a while for that seed to kind of start, you know, kind of start sprouting, right? And also, it's very hard to track if you're directly being benefited from the SEO that's being kind of produced or performed, depending on what kind of site you have. Well, maybe if it's like something to where you're trying to show up on the first page of Google, that may be a little bit more easier to be like, oh, I'm on the first page of Google. But but I want to kind of talk about your earlier days when you were kind of trying to even figure all of this out. How were you in a position to start monetizing? Well, first, first, let's talk about what is SEO? Because I mean, me and you, we're, we can we can kind of just start talking about SEO as if it's something that pe- everyday people just know about. <laughs> what is what is SEO and why is that important? So SEO stands for search engine optimization. And basically what it is, is these are the actions you would take to get a website to rank higher in search engines. And normally what we're talking about is Google. So let's say, for example, you had a website that's trying to rank for best wireless router, like you're, you're reviewing wireless routers. So you would have to take the words best wireless router and all related words and you'd put them in onto the web page, into your web page in the right locations with the right amounts and the right densities and you'd create supporting content and there's a whole art to like what you do on your own website to get it optimized for certain keywords. Then there's uh, what's called offsite SEO, which is building backlinks and other authoritative signals to tell Google like, hey, this is a website that other websites are voting for and saying it's a good piece of content. So, I mean, the value of SEO is it's anything that's ranked high on Google will get a decent amount of traffic. And the traffic that comes organically through Google search is highly qualified. I mean, these are people that are trying to learn more about what they're typing into Google. They're, they're going to go to these web pages that are going to take action as opposed to like paid traffic where you're kind of interrupting people's searches maybe you're interrupting them on Facebook, they're not as likely to convert. And another great thing about SEO is like once you're ranking, it's kind of like you said, it's, it's hard to get up there in the first place, but it's also hard to get removed. It's, it's like uh, heating up a, a, a bucket of water, you know, like it takes a long time to get there, but it also takes a long time to cool down. So once you get up in the rankings in Google, that traffic comes in and it's pretty stable and it converts really well and you can make a nice bit of money if you know how to monetize it. That is, that is awesome, man. And I know a lot of our listeners, especially people who have never heard of this concept are just like, wow. So there's something outside of paid ads. Like I don't have to run paid ads. And you know, again, it's like, it's like the SEO versus paid ads. And actually it's not SEO versus paid ads, but if you're able to leverage both of those, um, oh, yeah. damage. So now you started an SEO and it sounds like, I think you, I think you mentioned, you may not have mentioned this it may have been in my head, but I think you mentioned you started an SEO and you were making about $2,000. How, how were you able to even prove your experience to your very first client? Where, what did you do? How did you garner that, that clientele? Oh, so this is interesting. Like, I never went the client route until maybe a couple of years ago, like a little bit, a year and a half ago. So way back in 2009, 2010, when, I, when these, these ages that we're talking about, I already had it in my head that like my experience from working with people in the engineering job and knowing that I'm going to go to Thailand and don't want to like have U.S. clients and stay up on the phone like super late, I just went straight for affiliate SEO. And that's typically what people consider to be more challenging. Instead of competing on a local level, like trying to rank local clients for dentists in Fresno, California, I'm competing globally for national keywords like what is the best wireless router, that kind of stuff. But I, I already had it in my head, like, dude, I, I got to go for the long play. I got to go for the end game. I don't want to, I don't want to hit a snag with managing like too many clients and having to stay up late. And like, for sure, there's there's bandwidth limits on how many clients you can manage. Manage. There's less bandwidth with how many affiliate websites you can run. Mm. Man, I, man, I feel like we need another conversation because there's just so much to talk about, man. <laughs> man, because I, okay. So you started running these affiliate sites. What does that, what does that mean? I mean, going back to the fact that some of my listeners may not even know what an affiliate is, right? And I love the affiliate model. I love the affiliate concept. And there's so many different ways to talk about affiliates and creating affiliate revenue. But in your space, and when you say affiliate SEO, what exactly is that? Right. So I'll give you an exact example of like the first website that I had that was making $2,000 a month. It was a site that was monetized by talking about and reviewing ergonomic chairs. I'd pick ergonomic chairs just because like 
I had worked so much in a cubicle, my back was dying. So I was really into him and I knew about him and stuff. So I wrote a website about reviewing ergonomic chairs and we reviewed different types of ergonomic chairs like kneeling chairs and, and yoga ball chairs and all these kind of different chairs and stuff. And once that started ranking high on Google for like best ergonomic chairs and keywords like that, then the visitors that would come to my site would see these top five lists. They would see, here's a number one chair, here's a number two, and number three. If they clicked on any of the links where they could buy them, that would register a cookie in their browser. And when they're sent over to Amazon, if they were to purchase, I would take a certain percentage of it. At that time, it was 8% of the sale. And um, if you get enough traffic and you sell enough of these ergonomic chairs, like that can end up being 2000 a month or a lot more of what I learned a lot later. You started SEO and you started seeing success early and you decided that the smartest thing for you to do was to start taking some of your, your hard earned money and to put that into real estate. What was your philosophy back then as far as what you were, what you were looking to accomplish in the real estate world? Uh, well, I, I mean, I'm still looking for that too. Like I would like $20,000 a month, completely passive income. And I feel like completely passive, that would probably be coming from real estate and renting out property and having property management companies take care of all the work and I'm just collecting checks. Uh, so in my experience, like that's what passive means. Like I feel like that's more passive than the stock market when with the stock market, at least with me, like that's not passive at all for me. I'm checking that damn thing every day and it makes me nervous all the time. Yeah. So my goal is I wanted, I wanted passive income enough to fund all the stuff that I, I wanted to fund my lifestyle. And I set this goal for $20,000 $20, a month passive. Um, so that's awesome. yeah, that's, 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 awesome. that's what I wanted to do with it pretty much. Okay. So I just want to walk through your financial freedom philosophy or formula because you have other business owners that are listening or that are, you know, listening to this podcast and they're like, you know, my, my plan, you know, you have some people who are in corporate America who want to completely leave their day job and pursue real estate as an entrepreneur full time and look for properties and things like that. You have other people who are looking at invest passively, similar to what you're doing and just take their active income, whether it's a W2 day job or whether it's their company and they're taking their income and they're putting into real estate assets and they want to start creating, um, a certain amount of passive income from the real estate assets so that they know they no longer, have, no longer have to depend on that day job, right? In your instance, it's maybe not no longer having to depend on your business, but having that security, having that financial freedom that you're looking for. So over the past few years, you've been able to, we kind of talked a little bit before this call, but you're constantly getting deals uh, sent to you and you're analyzing deals and you're just like, oh, this works for me. This doesn't work for me. And when something works for you, you add it to your portfolio and you're kind of going for it like that. So just kind of giving the listeners a little bit more context of how you're actually building up your financial freedom empire. And this is something mm -hmm. that you're going to continue doing uh, on rinse and repeat, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, I've kind of paused on my bread and butter has been um, getting single family homes in you know Memphis, St. Louis and Indianapolis. And what I typically do, how the model worked was I'm working with turnkey companies like, like Memphis Invest. I've done like seven properties with them. Uh, so what they would do is like you, you get assigned a, like a salesperson and he's going to send you spreadsheets and just say, okay, this one came on the market and you get the breakdown of like, what's, what's the, the ROI, what's the annual ROI and you know, how much money down three bedroom, two bath. Okay. Does it have a garage? And like, honestly, on just looking at the photos and seeing like a couple spreadsheets full of numbers, like I would make a decision. Okay. Yeah. I've spent a hundred grand on that thing and mail them a check the the property management the the insurance is all kind of turnkey and it's pretty damn simple like and then you know they they move people in they have, handle the property management if people move out they get new people in they typically charge them more uh, so it's like an ideal situation for me and I just kept on doing this rinse and repeat over and over and over again but I think um, well maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong I, I feel like the housing prices have kind of recovered from what they were at, at the beginning of the decade. So the deals that I was getting before haven't been the same. So I've kind of toned down on that, but um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's treated me pretty well. 
That is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, deals are, are fewer and, and far between, just because, like, like you said, the market is heating up. Um, so it's one of those things where you're still as active as ever, but the deals are not are not flowing to you as as quickly as they once were. So you'll still, I mean, it sounds like you'll still probably get deals. It'll just be a lot more, a lot, a lot fewer and far between uh, in the market that we're currently in. So again, talking to the people that maybe they're they're on your path right now, or they're, they're deciding to try to make a crazy leap like out of their country or get out of their comfort zone or even just move to the next city, right? What advice do you have for, for somebody who's, who's maybe just been, you know, sheltered and maybe just grew up 18, 20, 25 years having one particular mindset and they're listening to this episode or they've, they've been listening to this podcast and they're like four hour work week, uh, invest in real estate, passive income, geo arbitrage. Like, I mean, that's something that, that I know there's a certain subset of people who are like, man, I would, I would just, give everything to be able to just move halfway across the world and cut my expenses like by 75%. What encouraging advice do you have for these people who are maybe scared to make that move? Okay. That's, that's a good question. I I would say one is to kind of just like break things down and and think to yourself, like what's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is you might eat into your, your bank savings for a year or something like that, but you'll come out with a whole bunch of experience. If you just decide to take a leap for a year. Just try to you know, set up some business yourself, some idea. Um, maybe you decide to move to Thailand when you do it, maybe you don't, but either way, just doing something for yourself, it, it's not gonna be the end of the world. I mean, like, look at other countries, like, like you know, people take gap years in Europe between when they like, graduate college and they enter the workforce. You can take your own gap year whenever you want, it's your life. You can just decide to do it if, if, you, if you please, and it's not gonna, set you back. It's not like, oh, all these other guys at your workplace are now going to fill these key positions and you're going to be denied that forever. Like you could always go back if you wanted to. But I think like just putting that into perspective and just seeing like the the end of the world is not going to happen. But if you want some pretty darn factual uh, and evidence that, you know, it's a good idea to start entrepreneurship, uh, there's a book that I read recently called End of Jobs. I, f- I forget the, the name of the author, just not good with names, but it's a quite profound book. And he's breaking down how like the, to be in a job is kind of like a bad play in terms of the way society is moving and the real skill that people are going to be valued for having in the future and increasingly going forward is entrepreneurship what you can do with building a team, what you can do with making a plan, sticking to it, executing it, dealing with failures and overcoming them. Like that's real skill set. Like this cookie cutter stuff we're learning in universities and how to apply them in a normal like business working place and climbing the ladder and all that kind of stuff is getting outdated and under rewarded right now. So, I mean, like you can, you can take my word for it and saying it's not that scary, but who's, what does that mean? Just listening to some guy on a podcast. You got to think about that. I mean, when you think about the, the book that you're recommending, I might have to go check that out, but you think about what you're describing in that book and maybe just a hundred years ago, not even a hundred years ago, 90% of people were business owners. Hmm. Yeah. And the industrial age brought about factory workers, brought about all these plants. I mean, Andrew Carnegie and and all these people came in and they revolutionized America. Like they revolutionized, I mean, not just America, the whole world and the way we operated. And we became almost like, we became like assembly line robots. And we got used to this industrial age thinking. And there was this thing called jobs. And, you know, you can go get your pension and your 401k. And the reason I'm saying this is because just 100 years ago, people were more entrepreneurial. Like it was like 90% of the people were entrepreneurs and 10% of the people were actually employees. And then you flip that to the 1990s where it's like 90% of people are employees and 10% of people are entrepreneurial. Like back then, you know, you had shopkeepers, you had merchants, you had, um, you had uh, all these people who were, I mean, they were, they were regular everyday people. You had farmers and all these people were entrepreneurial. Every single person pretty much was an entrepreneur because they had to provide for themselves and then they had to provide for their family. And then things kind of shifted. And now we're going back to an age to where, I mean, you see it now in the past 10 years, like there's so much going on. And like you said, with this end of jobs book, it's literally, you know, highlighting the fact that we're, we're starting to go back to how things used to be. Right. And I don't want people to, you know, and, and when you talk about risk, like risk to me, is wasting 
I'm using the word wasting, but wasting the next year and a half, two years of my life, not actually taking any risk. Right. Totally. <laughs> you know, like, like being behind that cubicle and not actually like seeing, I mean, my, not trying to reach my full potential. Like you, you're never going to know what you can truly do if you don't try. Like you're never going to know, like, man, what, what if I went to go do that? Like, what if I moved to Thailand for a year or two? And I mean, what if I, I like put, you know, somebody like you, Matt, like what if I did what Matt did? Like what would happen? And it's like, I would rather regret taking a chance on myself, having a story to tell, having a bunch of new friends, a bunch of new experiences, then regret not ever taking a chance, going to work every single day and not ever, re- not ever seeing like what, what, what I could have done. Right. And it, right. <laughs> one of those things to where I think about that. And I hope like that, that, you know, our conversation is really getting into the minds of some of the listeners. Like I have to do something. I have to do something now. So I love that you're able to touch on that. Now let's kind of wrap up the segment with this. When you think about the past few years and how you've been able to grow your business, I mean, we've talked about all your successes, how you've been killing it, right, in every single arena. But with that comes a ton of failures. And I know that you are no stranger to failure. So talk about a failure of yours. How has failure, maybe a parent failure, set you up for later success? Well, okay. Yeah, I mean, this is just the way it goes in the entrepreneurial game. There's no one to blame for for yourself. And you're usually trailblazing. There's no manual there's no college course to how to like plan for inevitabilities that and failures in business or competition that springs up out of nowhere. Like you just got to earn your chops in the entrepreneurial game. And I think like, like you're alluding to, it's, it's, it's more rewarding on the other side if you get through it. So the thing with SEO is that typically like if you, if you break things down, how does Google make money? Google makes money when people buy advertisements and they spend money on AdWords. Okay. Well, is it a good idea for them to make SEO easy? Of course not. It, the more challenging SEO is, the more people give up and have to spend money on ads. So here we are, we're up against Google, the company with the most PhDs on the planet, and they're going to kick your ass every once in a while. And back, uh, I think this is like maybe 2012, 2014, something like that, an algorithm update came out and annihilated my portfolio, like just completely destroyed all the websites that I had and all their traffic and all the rankings were lost. So the income went to zero and I invested a lot of these guys got, got comfortable with the income. Um, the, I mean, the, the benefit of that happening was that I went back to my roots. I went back to my roots as an engineer and decided, okay, the way I'm going to make my SEO decisions these days is based everything on tests. So I would run single variable tests and look at Google as kind of like a black box where I'd imply different stimulus, different variables as inputs, and I'd watch what happens as an output. And then I'd make observations and make my whole standard operating procedure based on these test results. So that was a blessing in disguise because eventually like that's become the whole foundation of not only like how I rank websites, but my whole philosophy on, you know, how I write on my blog, which, uh, which fuels a lot of my lead generation. So I have a blog, diggingmarketing.com where I talk about test backed SEO ranking, uh, techniques. And you know, that's, if that big failure back in 2014 or whatever didn't hit, I probably would still be doing lazy SEO. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And I, I kind of want to leave our listeners with this because that's simply phenomenal. Let's kind of leave one last nugget before we get into the final uh, round. When you are, you know, giving advice and you may haven't, you may have not done this yet, but because you are a real estate investor, when you're giving advice to not even a real estate investor, but any real estate entrepreneur, this can be a realtor, this can be an investor, this can be a property manager, this can be an appraiser. I mean, these people are now moving into the online space and they're trying to market and they're trying to, you know, figure out paid ads. They're trying to figure out SEO. Is there any advice and it can be one or two small tips that you can kind of give them for on-site SEO, or maybe even for off-site SEO, but on-site SEO specifically, is there any advice you can kind of, um, that you kind of shell out for us really quick? Well, the main, the, I would say this is kind of, this sounds easy, but it's a little bit more complicated. But the, the key to Google is like, they play poker with you, but they show you their hand. Meaning that if you want to rank for a certain keyword, they already show you exactly what they like to put in the top positions. You can just Google it and you can see, okay, these five websites are in the top five. What is in common about these things? So the, the reason I say that it's a little bit 
tricky is like you need to know what to look for. You need to know the essentials and the basics of you know what is on-site optimization. What are, what are the places I need to put my keywords and stuff like that to be able to analyze what these other guys are doing. I highly recommend you know taking a course, finding a mentor, or you know like just shortcutting the process rather than just learning it on your own. Don't get me wrong; you can learn SEO on your own. There's enough free resources all over the internet, but it changes so fast that maybe you finally pick up what it means to optimize like the the meta the metas in on a web page. But by the time you got that, like now anchor text has changed or something like that. So I would definitely recommend like shortcutting things with the course or yeah. finding a mentor or maybe taking a, a temporary job or apprenticeship somewhere if you want to get an SEO or and yeah, learning how to read the actual search result. Okay. Okay. So Matt, really quick, because 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 you brought it up. So for that second nugget, when it comes to a real estate entrepreneur who maybe is not in the position to be able to go and, you know, dedicate time to learn SEO and they'd rather just hire that stuff out when it comes to how they should even go about that. I mean, you, you kind of broke down two very, very large segments of SEO, but I know it breaks down into a whole lot more things from there, but what should be one of the first things that this real estate entrepreneur or investor should focus on? Should it be on page SEO? Should it be backlinks? I mean, when you say go, go and go and hire it out, what do you, what would you, what would you recommend that person first focus on? Uh, well, I would say like definitely focus or on hiring an all-in-one agency, like get someone that's going to handle all of it. And that's going to be content generation, optimization, backlinking, technical SEO and everything. Just find someone in-house. But if you wanted to be someone who kind of like you, you, you're outsourcing different parts of it because you want, you, you want to kind of orchestrate how everything goes, I don't recommend this route. Like I, I hardly ever see people that are balancing some other job with being an SEO at the same time. The SEO is just so dynamic, like you really need to focus on it. But I would say the, the piece of SEO to focus on going forward would be content. At the end of the day, like when Google is smart enough and eventually they will get there, they can, the, the way it should work is they should just be able to read the content of every website on the internet and just figure out what the ordering is. So, Right now, they're, they're relying on a whole bunch of stuff like backlinks, et cetera. But when the algorithm and the AI is mature enough, it's going to just matter on content. So focusing on content, learning what does it mean to completely cover a topic, to cover all the, 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 the nuances, the, the terms that are covering up on the page, like that's what, that's what is really important. Gotcha. And then when you talk about results... I know it's going to vary. So that's probably going to be your answer, but I'd love to kind of hear it from your words. When you talk about results and what you're able to kind of start seeing from SEO, how long does it typically take to start seeing some of these results as opposed to paid ads? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I'm going to start off by saying it just depends. Depends, <laughs> on, depends on the competition. But I mean, like, yeah, I mean, we've had websites that that we've ran for a year and they still barely make a thousand dollars. And we've had websites that we've we've had for six months and they're making thirty thousand dollars a month. So it, it completely ranges. But I would say, like, if it's your first, if it's your first ride on the rodeo, like your your first website's probably going to flop. That's just what I see most people. Like, it's just it's just a pattern. You gotta you gotta fall off the horse at least once, but. Um, I typically see people start to get success with SEO like after the first failure and then maybe around the six month to one year mark is when things start to click. Of course, you can shortcut the entire process by like finding a mentor, apprenticing to someone or, or taking a course. Yeah, I love that. So Matt, this has been amazing. Now let's round out this whole thing with a bow. Let's kind of talk about your steps moving forward. I mean, we're, we're here in 2019. I know you have some massive goals for 2019, but more specifically, I want to talk about some of your, your lifestyle goals for 2019 and maybe some things that you're stepping away from, some things that you're, you're, you're more self-focused on, whether that's family, whether that's um, more time out and doing activities. What's kind of your lifestyle now going, going, going into the rest of 2019? And what do, you, what do you kind of hope to be like an ideal, you know, maybe like an ideal day or what your outlook is for the rest of the year? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Things changed uh, quite significantly for me last November. So four months ago, I got married. So that's, that's exciting. Thanks, man. That's exciting times for me. So like 
what I'm kind of preparing for right now is maybe towards the end of the year, we're going to start having kids. So as it stands right now, like I'm running five businesses and it's quite intense, like need to start to kind of like choose which ones really matter to me, giving more, giving more responsibility to my business partners and maybe stepping back on some of them and, and choosing the ones that I'm just like super passionate about. Um, Cause as it stands right now, like I'm, I'm balanced enough to be a husband. Earnings is like this lifestyle that that passive income and location independence. Um, I can have a lot of fun. Me and my wife have been traveling like, I don't know, three times already this year and we're going to travel like six times more. So this year is all going to be all about traveling and, and prioritizing business to prepare for when we have kids and there's going to be no traveling and less time for business. I said that was going to be the last question, but <laughs> give me the nine or maybe not nine. Give me the, give me a few of the trips that you just went on and a few of the places you're going on. So we could, uh, we could add some places to our bucket list as well. Oh yeah, for sure. So let's see, recently we went to Austria for like to have a white honeymoon and in January, it's really nice. The food's awesome. I did some skiing there. Highly recommend that. Uh, towards the latter half of last year, we spent some time in Budapest, which is also a super awesome like digital nomad hub, really cool city and ridiculously cheap. I had no idea it was so cheap considering mm. how awesome it is. Next, we're going to see, we're going to Japan in April. Always love going to Tokyo. It's a great place. And then, um, you know, see after that, we're, we got another European one. Where are we going? Spain. We're going to Spain. We're going to Ibiza and Barcelona, oh. checking that out. So yeah, I mean, you guys are on it. <laughs> Dude, it's like, well, it's the last year, man. <laughs> it's like yeah. once, once a kid pops out, that's not going to be in the cards, at least not as much without help from grandma. Of course. Are you guys, are you guys into slow travel or are these like quick trips of like 5, 10, 15, 15 day trips? Uh, like 15 days. Yeah. The wifey, she, she runs a business here in Thailand, so she can't, it's not like, it's a physical business. Like she can't step away, uh-huh. but um Gotcha. But I still feel like we get a good taste of things with two weeks at a time. And we're having fun for sure. That is awesome. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite before the millions book? Let's give you two. One of them would be the four hour work week just to kind of like get the fires going and, and to inspire. And then another one on the personal side, I really like the power of now for just spirituality and, and mental health. I would recommend both those. I love that. And man, I, just in case uh, you guys don't know, I've been writing down every single book that Matt has recommended because I'm going to go, I'm going to go read. I've, I've thought about reading Vagabonding for like the past two or three years. I haven't read it yet. So I'm definitely going to go read that. I and mean, then I want to go read the end of jobs and then set the power of now. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Let me know okay. how you like end of jobs. Like that one's my like personal, it's in my foreground right now. And it's like kind of shaping the way I think about a lot of things, even though like you're, you're already past where the prime point would be of you reading that it still kind of validates like all the decisions you're making and you'll, I don't, I, I won't spoil any more for you. Like let's just <laughs> to think up again after this and we can geek out on it. Okay. I love it. I love it. I'm excited. Okay. So what is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. Well, I really like meditation. I would say the best app I've seen for that is Waking Up by Sam Harris. Um, I've, I've found that it's by far what I consider to be the best like meditation app. Okay. Tell me, because I, I was literally just in my, one of my mastermind groups yesterday and we were talking about like my foyer into meditation. And I was just like, well, I don't really have, like I've listened to all these people. I've heard all these ways, but I mean, how do you know what's right for you? So tell me what, what, why you were so drawn to, to this app. This one, for example, is like really the, the, edu- the educational part, like the guided part where he's explaining like, okay, now we're going to consider looking at things from this perspective. Like the way he lays it out is like very logical and very matter of fact rather than hippie-ish. I, not that there's anything wrong with the hippie-ish part. Like I'm a super big yogi. But um, the way he laid this out kind of opened my eyes to like more meditation techniques than I've seen by doing actual meditation retreats. Mm. Got it. I'm going to check it out. Have you, have you read the, um, have you read the surrender experiment? I haven't man, but it's on the list. 
Okay, okay, you definitely have to read that. It is amazing. Okay, cool. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? Freedom of choice. We talked about this before, like before the call, and I was, and I just wanted to mention, like I truly believe that money cannot buy happiness, but I think that the lack of worry about money is extremely happiness enabling. Like to not have to worry about. You know, like the cost of things, or not need to worry about like needing to be in a certain place at those certain time to deal with a client, that kind of stuff. Like that stuff is like goes in my gratitude journal every morning, where I'm just like, holy crap! Like I can't believe I fell into this, and I'm just super、mm-hmm. grateful for it. Amen to that. <laughs> What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make? Before the millions to get to where you are today,、uh, when I stepped away from my job, like I knew that bridge was burnt. Like my, I guess my reputation in that industry is like a quitter, you know. Like, and I had gone all the way to the point of getting a master's degree in that. So that's throwing away a lot of money and six years of education. That was pretty scary for me, and I thought like if this didn't work, like I'm fucked. <laughs> you know what's crazy, and I haven't found the words to 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 use yet. But I don't, and maybe you can, maybe you can find them. I don't know, but it's like I don't, I don't consider that. Like most people, they're just like, I don't want to take a risk, or I don't believe that it's now is not the time because I've put so much hard work and so much money into my degree, and now I've done this for my master's as well. Like I have to get some type of return on this, so I am gonna do. What it is that I've been training to do because it—I mean, it's、yeah. right. It only makes sense. And my standpoint is just like,、uh, like I'm trying to find the words to be like, no, like I mean, it, as as logical as it is, to me, it's really not. I understand.、Yeah. Like I feel like once you get to the point of discovery, regardless of if it's four years after school or you went to school for twelve years, once you get to a point of discovery, and you realize that there's something. More out there that if that's what you want, if that's what you desire, there's no reason to have this anchor pulling you back or telling you that you have to get to a certain accolade or achievement where you've started before you can go do what you really want to do. But that's where most people are. Like, and you, it's almost like you can't even convince people. Like, especially people who are in like the the healthcare or the medical field. Like, I know I studied for ten years to do this. Like, I'm a technician at whatever. Like, I I I put so much money in this. I want to get a return out of this. What do you? I mean. Being as though that that that's the answer that you kind of gave me. What do you have to say to the people who are in that position right now? And I know you, we've kind of talked about this a little bit earlier, but again, I want to kind of hear some words as far as your, your perspective when it comes to all those quote unquote wasted years. Dude, I mean, if if this is you, and if whoever is like listening to this right now, if that sounds like you, you know, like you feel like you don't want to waste、uh, this this degree you put time into, I get it, dude. Like I was there completely. And I would say that petrification probably added another four years onto my delay into like really going after entrepreneurship. And for me, for me, it was like money. I was like, okay, I got this career as an engineer, and I'm making six figures a year. Like, how can I ever imagine to do that on the internet? You know, like I'd be happy to like make a hundred dollars a like a week on the internet. But If if money is your only concern, like let me tell you, like hundred grand a year is is nothing. Like once you really scale up on the internet, like we're talking about global reach rather than like whatever you can do in your company. So if money is your concern, like you can you can make your annual salary in a month. Like if you're good at what you do. If money is not your concern, you're thinking holistically. You're thinking about all the benefits that happen in your life. It's really a no-brainer. Like just. Even if you cut your your annual income in half, how about you triple or quadruple your happiness? Is that worth it? Yeah,、oh. for sure. Oh, Matt, you say I don't know why you saved that for the end, but that was good. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Okay, who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? I had a mentor like towards the beginning. There's a guy who I met at through Landmark Education. I did Landmark Forum and all that kind of stuff. And one of one of the people in it with the, was this girl, and I met her husband. And he was doing he did all this inter- internet stuff. He he was an SEO. He did all this stuff, and he, he had made millions already. And he kind of、uh, he let me take him out to dinner a few times and pick his brain. And like that really really helped me because it was evidence right there that that things could work. And I got some solid advice. 
That is awesome. Would you let somebody take you out to for coffee and pick your brain? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I do it all the time. Like at the end of the day, like it's once you have the things that you need, the next thing you you want to do is help other people that are, you know, trying to get to find freedom in their life and stuff like that. That's why you're doing what you're doing, right? Because yeah. it's about giving back. Yeah, that's awesome. What, last but not least, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? Uh, just, I think it's programming. I think it's just like what we see in the system, like we're taught that, you know, you get the degree and then if you want to make more money, you got to get the second degree and then you put in the time and then you work your way up and like, and then all the evidence you see around you is pretty much just people like that doing the same thing. It's just like, it's, it's programmed into us. We don't, it's not, it's not mainstream to be entrepreneurial. Yeah. 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 You're right. You're right, man. This is, this has been powerful. I want to first and first and foremost, thank you for coming on the show and adding so much value. I've gotten so much value out of this. I know our listeners have as well. If any of the listeners are going to want to reach out to you, connect with you, learn a little bit more about you, where can they find some of your information? Yeah. My main blog is diggitymarketing.com. I'm talking about a whole bunch of geeky SEO stuff there. Um, but yeah, come find me there. There's a whole lot of things I'm doing. I, I offer agency services so I can help rank your website. I teach SEO at a course called the Affiliate Lab. I sell backlinks at Authority Builders. I have a conference in Chiang Mai that sells out every year for with about 800 people. Mr. You want to learn about SEOs? The Chiang Mai SEO conference is happening nice. in November. Nice. So yeah, I'm all up in this SEO stuff. So if you want to geek out, you know where to find me. There we go. There we go. And we will have links to all of that in the show notes, ladies and gentlemen. Matt, this has been simply amazing. It's about 8.41 a.m. where I am. What time is it where you are in Thailand? 9.41 p.m. 9.41 p.m. I love it. I love it. Well, Matt, uh, hopefully you get some rest tonight and we'll talk to you very, very soon. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.